Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of We Got Balls. And today we have a great opportunity to talk to a new guy, a guy that we've run across in our journeys, uh, trying to figure out how we can help other men. Thomas Fairman. Thomas, welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's such a great honor to be on the podcast. I really enjoy what you guys do. And um, yeah, just excited to be here. Absolutely. And uh, so Thomas uh, is connecting to us from up in the uh, great Northwest, Portland, Oregon. And the reason we really got attracted to Thomas was Thomas is a coach and somebody who runs experiential weekends for men where God forbid, Thomas, sometimes you get naked together. Oh my gosh. Why would we ever want to do that? And so we were really intrigued um, kind of with uh, your experiences and how you kind of came to that place and would just love to have a conversation with you about, uh, as we did a few weeks ago together, Scott and I did about male body shame and what does it mean to be accepting of my body and to be, be in the human skin that was made for me. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you about how you got there because dude, we want to, we want to, you know, soak in some of that. And, you know, I I love how you were talking a few minutes ago about doing a a cold plunge. There's something about taking my body in all of its, you know, reality, whether it's big, small, fat, skinny, strong, weak, and taking it into a physical experience and soaking in that, that we just want to make a reality in this conversation today. So, Thomas, tell us a little bit how, let's back up. How'd you kind of get into this experiences with the male body? Man, well, I, it really started back in, you know, in my childhood years. And you guys point to this a lot, those early childhood formative experiences. Um, a couple of mine were, I remember being in high school and I was already tall. Like I was six foot four as a freshman in high school. I was just like this super tall, but skinny kid played on the basketball team. And I was in my class, we would have PE and we would change in the same locker room. And uh, it was in Hawaii on the big island of Hawaii. So kind of like a little bit behind the times. Um, if you look at pictures of Hilo and Wainui Nui Avenue, like you look at pictures from like 1920 and you look at pictures from like 2000, they're the, it's like the same street, like nothing has changed. And so we would all change in the same locker room and not all guys got this experience, but I was ashamed of it. I didn't, I wanted. I was like, I cannot let myself be seen. And so I was always known for my quick changing. And I would go into a stall and I would change and I would leave like efficient as possible, get there before everybody else, get there out. Like, and this is kind of, it's interesting because I think a lot of people would think of, oh, I'm just like this confident guy on so you know, posting naked videos of himself on the internet. Like, oh, he's just confidence through and through. He's born that way. It's like, no, 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 not at all. Um, I was afraid, I think of the opposite of what many men have, um, which is like, I'm not afraid. I'm afraid of intimidating people. And it showed up in the way I, it's like those, the relationship to my body showed up everywhere. It was like how I played basketball. Everybody's like, Thomas, you're, you're six, five, you know, go just dunk it every time. Like, what are you doing? Like crush people. And I was, but I was like, I didn't want to, I, I was, I was ashamed. I didn't want to express that side of myself. And so I really, I think I really dialed myself back. I was the gentle giant. And that was how I, that was how my journey started. Um, so that's curious. Uh, and, and we love to do this. If you don't mind going yeah. here, what, where do where do you think that came from? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I mean, as Culturally, I think back, 
you're growing up in Hawaii, right? So you're kind of standing out just from the native culture there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody's a minority in, in the big okay. Island. That's what they say. Like, and I moved, so I moved when I was nine years old. So I moved in the third grade, started connecting with the people there and I was at a private Catholic school. So it was not mm-hmm. like I'm in public school or anything like that. It's like very different from what you might like. I got to encounter, I mean, Hawaii, you, you learn to be humble. Like you learn you're, I'm like, you know, this white looking dude. I mean, I got olive skin. I tan well. And so I was much, I actually was darker at the time. Um, and so that's like some of my heritage comes from Mexico. Um, but, um, I was, you learn, like if you, if you walk around like you're hot shit, you're going to get, you're going to get beat up Hmm. and we can swear, we can swear on that. I mean, like, yes, we can, like, you'll get get the shit beat out of you. You know, if you walk (laughs) around like, and there were basketball games, you had to hide in the locker room because we were the white, you know, we're like going playing in the South of the Island and we're the small Catholic school, right. Where there's, and we would have to hide in the locker room because we were going to get, you know, the, the, the people there wanted to fight us and rocks would get thrown at the Mm -hmm. bus. You had to duck because the, the, rocks thrown could sometimes break the glass and like there was a there was like an incident where glass shattered all over the inside of the bus and you know people are bleeding and whatnot um so i think that i knew what i had to a certain extent and my i was raised catholic and um my mom was very much like espousing like and you know we would go into going to church every sunday and my parents would sing in church and it was it was great but also i think i learned i just Something and my dad. So my dad is this. This is right. How do we learn this? Well, we get masculinity modeled for us by our fathers and the mm-hmm. men in our community. So my dad was a, mostly through high school. He was a stay-at-home dad, and he hmm. was a travel agent. Uh, and then when the internet came, the travel agent, the whole idea of being a travel agent, kind of disappeared for a lot of people. Um. Um, yeah, he used to be a travel agent for like a lot of reef surfers. And so he kept a couple clients, but it wasn't enough to like sustain our family. So he moved to Hawaii, he bought a house for $150,000 and then turned around and sold it for, I think it was 400, something like that a few years later. So he would fix up houses and then he would take us to school. He would make our, he would go to the supermarket, pick up food and bring us lunches every day. And it was like a thing. He was just, but just a, such a caring figure. And he's not like a traditional, like He's, he's not a super buff Jack, like, you know, mm-hmm. hair, you know, he's, he's a hairy dude. Um, <laughs> and I, dad, if you're listening to this, I, I appreciate you and all the love <laughs> you gave me growing up, but, but you weren't, but he wasn't, um, like very aggressive. Like he wasn't like, I'm going to go out and do my thing and I'm going to take it. And like that kind mm-hmm. of mentality. And so I think I grew up with that same sort of idea. Like I'm going to be a little bit more like, I'm going to be more passive. I'm going to listen to the situation. I'm going to respond when I know it's the right thing to do. My dad was very thoughtful. He's like, thinks things through. And so I think that it started to impact me from an early age. So it sounds like your physical presence too, as you started to go through puberty and get taller, that becomes a thing where you feel maybe some shame attached to that because you're standing out. And the thing for you is not to stand out in that environment, right? 100%. So it, Okay. All right. So that makes a lot of sense. So then where does it progress? Where, where do you end up kind of doing a video where, you know, you're doing w- naked weekend experiences and putting yourself out there naked on the internet? How, how did that happen? <laughs> how do we get from A to B? That's a, that seems um, like a long story, Scott. I'm, you know, take your time with the story, Thomas, because right. that's a big jump from hiding in the stall to being naked on the internet. 
Yes, a huge jump. And there's been a lot of different steps to it. Um, I will mention in my formative years, also a thing was body shame was I was I was tall. So therefore I was and I shot up like a, you know, just jack in the beanstalk. And so I was skinny. And I was self conscious of that, like as soon as someone was like, first talked to me about lifting weights in the eighth grade. And I was like, Oh, and so I started to do that. And I really enjoyed strength training. And I took to it like, I wasn't the biggest, I was never the biggest guy, but I was strong. You know, I would love to deadlifting, squatting, bench, you know, just like that feeling of strength in your body. Hmm. I, um, there's, there was nothing like it. And then using that to help jump higher on the basketball court. And then, um, so I went to, I moved to college. I went to Santa Clara university in the Bay area and, um, studied electrical engineering. And, um, I think after college, was really where things started to change for me. Um, in college, I was very like, I was on the, ba- I was trying to make the basketball team. It's a division one school. They're doing really well this year. So like, you know, best of luck to the Broncos this year. But um, uh, I was, I walked onto the team as a practice player and I was studying electrical engineering and I was like doing all these entrepreneurship things and, you know, studying entrepreneurship in these, in extracurricular activities. And, um, and then when I left college, I was really kind of a mess. Um, hmm. By that time, I felt very isolated. I, I had traveled to the previous summer. I had traveled to Japan and to India and then to Burning Man, like in rapid succession, like within span of a couple months. And so I came back to America and I was like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? Like, what the hell is going on in this country? Like, what are these like? I'm just like on campus watching people like laser, like from one class to another. It's like people don't even exist. You got your headphones in, you know, you're just walking from A to B. And that was kind of the dominating. It's really, there's been a, I feel there's been a shift in the past you know, decade in terms of how people operate in public and how people relate to one another. And it's just like, like you said, and Scott, you pointed to it on a previous, I think actually both of you guys, but like, it's very individualistic. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I'm going where I'm going. And I've got what I've got. And, you know, that's it. That's my world. And so I, when I finished college, I felt very isolated. I was, I mean, I would say depressed, like, just like, <laughs> just remember like drinking to like get through my, like write my final design project. Um, and then I graduated. And I think the healing for me really began with the, a program called the Landmark Forum. And that's... Okay. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but it's, a, it's like a professional growth training and development organization. Mm-hmm. And they do this three-day weekend where you get to really clean, you know, he, he clean up some things from your past. You go back to all the things that you did and mean it, like all the weight that there is about life that's kind of mm-hmm. on you. And you get to go through a process to help heal that and involves reaching out to people in your life and whatnot. Um, so I walk out of that program and there's a sense of uh, freedom. There's a new sense of freedom. Like, Oh, like I've had this burden on myself. And, um, I really, when I graduated with my electrical engineering degree, I knew I wanted to be a coach. So again, it's like this holding back, right? This is like for any man out there who's like, you're holding back something because you're afraid of what will happen if you do that thing. Like I, um, I'm, so I'm like, I know I want to be a coach. I know I want to do something on my own entrepreneurial, but I got this electrical engineering degree. And my dad was like, I remember having a conversation with him at the end of college. I was like, dad, what do I do? I'm graduating. I, you know, I, I don't really want to work in a traditional job. And he's like, well, you know, 
Thomas, there's nothing wrong with getting a traditional job. There's nothing wrong with going and using your degree and getting electrical engineering, getting a, getting a traditional job. So I did that. And, uh, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted. And again, those early childhood experiences, that experience of shame, that experience of if I express myself, it's not going to be accepted and it's, it's going to hurt people. Yeah. I think let's, let's pause right there because I think that, that, um, that, that goes directly in contrast with the experience of freedom and the connection that you found traveling and being, going to Burning Man. It's, it sounds like that there was kind of a paradox, an existential paradox for you at that moment where your, your past had somewhat been healed, but there was still an, in your body, in your heart, in your mind, there was a reality of what life was about that was, didn't make sense. Uh, and let me, let me give some language to this that we like to use. So there's this kind of constant tension that we have between attachment, feeling connected to others, and authenticity, being my genuine self, not feeling like I have to change myself to be attached, but you know I get to express myself and stay attached. And so many of us in our developing years, we've, we figure out real quickly, I have to give up my authenticity to stay attached. I'm, mm. I'm going to lose core relationships in my life if I express my desires, my emotions about my desires. And that sounds like that was really the battle that you were facing. A hundred percent. And I, it's only recently that I'm truly, I, I believe, winning that battle, like and transforming that issue and transforming my relationship to it. Because there's been a whole intervening, you know, decade more or less since I graduated college now. I mean, it's eight years. But asking for what I want, learning to be open about what I want, and expressing that has been the biggest journey, the biggest healing for me of the past eight years. Mm -hmm. um, now, or, I got to ask you an honest question, Thomas. How do your parents feel about what you do? My mom is like, you're doing God's work, Thomas. I love it. You know, thank you. Like, she gets, you know, they, they get it. Um, there's really no shame about it. It's okay. My dad's super proud and yeah. That's good because I mean, I think a lot of people, when we hear stories like yours and my mm -hmm. story and Scott's story as well, is that there's, you know, there's expectations. There's, these are the things that are going to make our parents uh, proud of us. And it's usually conforming to their way of looking at life. And like Scott was saying, you know, holding onto those attachment wounds and just perpetuating that into my adulthood. But it sounds like, that there's been a bit of a, a transformation for you from that time of I'm just going to go the way that everybody else goes and get a job and use my degree. And to now you're, 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 you know, you wanted to coach. How did you get into coaching and this particular type of coaching? Mm. Well, I think with coaching, when I was in high school, my high school basketball coach, Harry Scanlon late was the most he was such an influential figure to me mm. and um, coaches throughout my life have been so beneficial. I've worked with many coaches and I understood the value of it and the, the gift that it is for a coach to be a coach and that the gift that a coach gives. And I wanted to give that. Um, and so in high school or in, in college, I started doing personal training on the side 
And then when I graduated, I got my certification in 2018. So I'm like working this tech job, but I'm also <laughs> doing this other thing. And it came to a head where the CEO was like, dude, you've got to be all in on this or leave. And mm. uh, because he, you know, it was starting to impact, it was impacting my work. Um, and there, the company actually just went public that I was working at, which is like, you know, here's the Tygo. Um, but um, they, that was a gift because it forced me to go out on my own mm-hmm. and forge my own path. And I finally made the jump right around the pandemic, actually. It was 2020. And something interesting was at the time I was living at a naturist resort. So how did I get to live at a naturist? Like uh, everybody's clothing optional all the time. There's no clothes allowed in the pool. Like how am I living here? Uh, Well, my wife and I were in the Bay Area, you know, Silicon Valley, San Francisco. She worked in the city. She commuted two and a half hours each way. Two and a half hours up, two and a half hours down. But we wanted to live in nature. We wanted to live in the in the in the wild and be like somewhere where we could be outside and that was such a huge part of this whole thing like there is this we're create like i grew up i was always outside i was barefoot we were like we threw throwing lemons at each other for fun like you know climbing mm-hmm. trees and you're in hawaii you're in like you know on the big island it's very country very rural um for the most part um and um that was so important to me and so when i went to college that was one of the biggest hardships was being away from that environment where I was constantly outside, constantly in the sunlight, um, you know, just out in nature. That was such a healing and such an important source of energy for me. And so when I went to college and like started, you know, I'm sitting at a desk, I'm like, just focused on like, okay, you got to listen to this professor and then you got to do this, you know, you got to work eight, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, right? And so I got into that grind and that was just, that started destroying me. And so in 2020, when the pandemic hit, um, it was right when I had been right when I left the business that I was working at and we were living at this naturist resort. So all of a sudden we're at home and, um, we were sitting there, my wife and I, and we actually have time, you know, like it was like, you know, it was a, it was a, it was been a challenging time, um, the past few years for everybody. Um, and, but it was also a gift in that I got to spend time with my wife. I had never spent in a long time and it gave me time mm-hmm. to think, it gave me time to, Oh, well, what do I really want to create? What do I really want to, where do I really want to take this? Cause at the time it was no, there was no nudity involved in the coaching that I was doing. I was yeah. a personal trainer online and, but I was living at this naturist resort. Um, and through that process, uh, I ended up meeting a man by the name of Jason Wimberly. Mm-hmm. And Jason is a, trainer from he lives in uh, Hollywood, West Hollywood, uh, uh, just an amazing man who is so free. So like he um he's in a relationship with Maddie, get he's a gay man um and he's really prolific in the training in training the training community. Um mm-hmm. um but he he was a new model for me. Like I saw him and I was like whoa, like that's a different kind of man. He was, he was like very upfront, like very, like very straight about what he wants, like to a point that he will rub you the wrong way. And he doesn't, mm. you know, and he knows that and doesn't give a shit like, <laughs> like, you know, but is aware, not, not doesn't give a shit, but is very bold open about, about his desires. He's bold about his yeah. desires. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I don't have that. Like mm. I just don't. 
So I think at that point I was like, oh, that's the gap for me. That's where mm -hmm. I want to be like this guy. Um, and so I started working with him and we were, we did the naked trainers and that was really how it started. I, I started doing working with him in a naked capacity while I had my own clothes stuff on the side. Um, and then it was through that work that I started to discover like, Oh no, I can weave this into what I'm doing. And I knew my brother used to do men's work. He used to do actually in Carlsbad where you, um, you had just been, uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, at a school there, a local high school, um, he would train the kids and he had this program called spear. And so I, and I growing up, like that was in my consciousness. Cause he was like writing these white papers about the plight of men and, you know, four X suicide rates and, you know, mm. more, more likely to lack social supports and, you know, doing not, not as well as school. All of these things are facing men and boys today. And so that was all rattling around in my consciousness as well. And so there's like this piece of like being out in nature and be breaking free from like the crunt hunching over at a desk for mm -hmm. hours a day to like make ends meet because you have to be a good productive member of society. Um, there's, so there's the nature piece. There's this nudity piece that starts to come in and asking for what you want and being open and being completely transparent, being vulnerable, stripping away all the layers and then serving men. And that all kind of just like collided into the, the experience that is the retreats now. Um, but it really couldn't happen until I started to ask for what I wanted. And there was a lot of steps along the way where I got into situations where I didn't ask for what I want. And so there was some repercussions of that. Mm. I would be ashamed of what I want. And so then it would ripple <laughs> into my, my marriage. And it would like, there's been these times where my shame about asking for what I want has prevented me from truly living the life that I want to live and the life that I'm meant to live the mm -hmm. life that like I've talked about my parents are supportive like there's there's people around me that love and support me yet still inside me there's this part that's like you can't ask for what you want you you gotta be a, you you gotta make yourself a little small I I just I love how you're getting to this point about the root of shame is really around what we want like what what my desires are and I, I think about, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a new year. I'm starting to read through the Bible in a year. So I read Genesis 1 through 3 yesterday. And I didn't know this until a couple months ago that, that Eden means delight. And you come to the end of Genesis 2 and it says they were naked and unashamed. And there is so much about what you're saying about being out in nature, expressing your desire authentically, and being completely unashamed about your state in that place of, here's what I want, take it or leave it. I don't always get what I want, but at least I'm expressing what I want, right? Mm -hmm. and, and even when I don't get what I want, I learn that I can express what I want and still stay connected with others. Mm. And it seems like you've kind of packaged all that up in your own experience, and now you're making that available, you know, to guys who frankly, like everything about what you said about men in society, it's it, plus that still, you know, it's the, the highest suicide rate is men in their 40s who have no connection, completely isolated, no sense of purpose, because they've taken their authenticity, they've taken their desires and buried them under 
a, a layer of shoulds and must-haves and oughts, and they've lost their true self. Mm-hmm. And you're helping, like us, you're, you're helping guys to, you know, we do that in a very sexual way. What, what do you want sexually? Like, what turns you on? Where's that coming from? What's the story around that? And it sounds like you're doing that in a whole kind of other vein that adds on to this is, hey, what, what brings you to life, you know, in your connection with others, in your connection with your own body? So what, what did you find out when you started coaching guys in this? What happened? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to I point back to something you just said, which is it starts, you, you said you're doing it in a different way, right? You guys are doing it in more in a sexual way. And I think what I've heard in listening to the podcast and what I've gotten out of it is like, no, these things are so connected. Like, yes. Yeah, they are. It's one and the same thing. And you, you like, and when you transform it over here, it like, it ripples out. And so like those experiences early, just in listening to the podcast, again, like those early experiences in the locker room, being ashamed to ask to just be myself, Mm. like just be who just embody a tall, like commanding presence. I was too ashamed. I had to pull, had to pull back. Like that rippled into my sex life. That rippled into my business life. That rippled into my relationships. That ripples like that's still something. Even in this, you know, in this conversation, in every conversation I have, it's like, am I gonna say and ask for what I want, or how am I gonna, you know, navigate to to just you know stay in the background and give so everybody good. else what they want? You know, <laughs> that's yeah. so good, man. Yeah, but Thomas, I got to ask you, why do you want to be naked, man? I mean, come on. It's just so much easier to just, you know, hang around and 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 hang out with the boys and smoke some cigars or pipes and drink a little bit. I mean, isn't that that's such a safe way to do it, right? I mean, that's 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 risky enough. Why? Why I got to take my clothes off, man? Yeah, why? 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 Yeah. People ask me why. Uh, I mean, so that's, that's, and that's a valid question. And that's, I recorded a video recently about this, the four benefits of social nudity for men. And that was kind of what blew, kind of blew up on Instagram and whatnot. Um, and Vimeo. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, there's so many benefits, mm-hmm. but the point, the, I mean, where we'll, where I'll start is like, it's our natural state. Mm. It's, it's the state of being, just this is how you wake. This is how you were born. Like you mm-hmm. came into this world, you didn't have any clothes. They're not a part of you. They're not. Like, and so the goal is to strip away that which is not you. Mm. And so often we're in situations, we're in conversations, and we're we're being someone that we're not. We're being something that we were given, and we're not being who we're here to be we're hiding our authentic selves so this is about identity you're you're telling me that by stripping away my external layers be they literally clothes or metaphorically ideas and experiences and things that i've been given from my past job title performance that i can help find who i really am is that what you're telling me yes i'm telling you and to jump back to scott your question what happened when you started coaching men in this like i put this out there and men just start reaching out they're like oh my god yeah i'd like i don't know who i am i'm x this i'm this many years old and i've had these experiences and when i was a kid this happened and ever since that time i've been ashamed i have been unwilling to open up and 
just the, the response has been incredible. And the mm. amount of men that this resonated with has been insane. And just these long, you know, emails that I get and just thank you to everybody out there. But it's like, there's something here for not just me, but for a lot of men. And men don't know who they are. And to me, the, the astounding thing is you're reversing exactly what took place in the 90s with everybody putting their clothes on in the locker room and being afraid of being their authentic selves, right? And now the only exposure we have is in pornography. And you're reversing that. And men are responding because they know intuitively that there is some way in which my authenticity, my desire and my authenticity, what I want is connected with being seen exactly who I am, whether that's metaphorically naked or physically naked or both, you know, yeah. and they're responding to it because it's in the heart. Yes. Yes. It's in our nature. And it's, that's the thing about the whole sex, same, same sex attraction piece and where people have shame about it. it's like that. No, dude, you gotta have like physical connection with other men. Like if you look at any mm -hmm. animal species, like, like where the, you know, the primates, right. They're just touching each other all the time they're just like all over each other and they're doing all kinds of things you know and that kind of bonding is so important and it's a part of a healthy just a healthy being a healthy human uh you know even independent of masculinity but then men get these like no you have to be cold you have to be hard you can't open up you know um and then that becomes gay right it becomes like it's gay if I want a hug or if I talk about my feelings. And then it's, that's the other thing that's happened with this, this uh, retreat is like you get gay men and straight men in a shared space and everybody's naked. It's like, what does that do? What is, <laughs> how do I deal with that? Yeah. Who's going to get a blown up first? That's, that's the kind of cauldron we like. We like those kind of conversations. <laughs> So, so what does happen? I mean, so boners rarely happen at these retreats. I will, I'll just go start right there. Cause so many men ask, they're like, dude, what if I get a boner? But it's men. a, it's a fear that you hear, right? It's a fear. Oh yeah. What if I get a boner? That's like one of the most common questions I get. I got to record a video about it, but mm -hmm. I, or I could be on a podcast about it. How about that? Um, you're, you're welcome to talk about it here. <laughs> you talk about it right now. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we have this thing. It's like a boner means sexual, right? And you talked about, mm -hmm. you guys have been starting to unpack this conversation about sexuality and types of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, if I get a boner, it means I'm gay or it means, you know, X, Y, or Z, or I'm going to make someone else uncomfortable because I have a boner, right? That's the other fear. Um, and it's like, what actually happens in practice is like, it happens. It's like, it's a part of your it's a part of you, dude. Like be yeah. proud of that. Like one of the men yeah. who came was like a, a rather elderly man who had morning wood. And he's like, I can't come to the morning practice. And I'm like, dude, it's all good. I want to be like that when I grow up. Um, that's amazing. And so, um, yeah, it was just truly, uh, that, that, uh, is such a component of it that people are worried about, but then it just goes away. You start moving your body, you start doing something else. You start talking about something else. It's not a sexual retreat. Like, and it just goes away. It just kind of, you know. Yeah. And we, we've talked about this. There's something known as sexual incongruence where you experience sexual arousal, but it has nothing to do with sexual desire. Um, for women, it happens about 10% of the time. So if a woman's re, you know, uh, Emily Nagoski talks about this in her book, Come As You Are. She works with rape victims, but she reads an article in the New York Times about a violent rape and her vagina tingles and gets wet. 
Does that mean she's into being raped? No, it means that there's a stimulus and her body responds to the stimulus. And 10%, you know, only 10% of the time for a woman, there's uh, there's a connect between those two things. So most of the time, women don't experience sexual desire or sexual arousal in the context unless they have sexual desire. For men, it's 50%. So men get boners much more easily or they get sexually aroused without sexual desire than women do. And yet the stories we tell about those are, well, if I have a boner, I must want to have sex. No. Mm. Well, Thomas, we, what, one of the things we, we want to do is uh, connect guys with you. And so how can guys get connected with you, come to your retreats, um, have this experience for themselves to be able to have some healing um, around their bodies and find out more about who they really are? Hmm. So the great way to get started is to go to the website, uh, WYLDmen, so WYLDmen.com. Um, on that website, you will find at the top a little place where you, a green button you can hit it and it'll send you a library of some content that i've created and so if you just want or like what is this you just want to like fig, just kind of learn a little bit more or maybe do a follow along naked workout i'm doing i have this 8 minute ab routine that i do naked and it allows you also to you know that's that's one place you can go um and then the other places on social media are uh instagram the wild men spelled the same way, T H E wild men. Um, and, uh, on Twitter also the wild men or X uh, as it's called now. Yeah, whatever it is, formerly Twitter now X. So yeah, we can connect with you. So that's great. So if you're interested in getting connected with Thomas and, um, I, I would highly recommend, I mean, check out the content that this, this piques your interest, have an experience. I mean, content is, is, it can be very isolating sometimes and something we can use uh, for good or for harm, but there really is nothing like being flesh to flesh, human to human with someone else. That's where the change comes. That's where the transformation comes. So if you're really interested, make an investment and get connected with Thomas and the community that he's building with the wild men. So thank you, Chris. And I like it doesn't the the healing doesn't happen until it's in your nervous system until it's subconscious until it's really really you don't have to think about it and that happens through visceral ex, real life experiences embodied experiences and that is what this retreat is and that's what you don't get by just watching videos on the internet because that by the way that's also how the trauma gets embedded in your nervous system is you have an embodied experience. You, you get penis shamed, you get fat shamed, you get no body hair shamed, you get too much body hair shamed, whatever it is, that gets encoded in how you respond then to others because it's a threat. So if you're going to deal with that, you have to deal with it in an embodied way. If you're going to bring healing to that, you have to heal in an embodied environment. And it generally has to involve some form of risk. And it's a, it's a leap of faith to heal that which is why your retreats are so effective because you have to get naked and nobody's like, yay, let's get naked. I mean, maybe there are some guys that are really excited about it. There's, there's a lot of guys out there. That are, are there, like, are there really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. a whole, I mean, the whole naturist community is very gung. Well, I'm not thing. in the naturist community and it scares the shit out of me. So that's why I'm just like, but is you it know, um is it younger guys, older guys? Like I'm curious about the demographic fallout on this because it to me it would be like it's, younger guys are going to stay away from this like the plague I would think. But no, 
yeah, the it's mostly guys in their forties. Yeah. Fifty, you know. I'd say the mean age is some like forty two or something okay. like that or forty five. Well, plus two, yeah. you gotta have the money to afford a retreat type of thing. But still, mm-hmm. I do think you have to get to that age where you realize this this way of doing things ain't working for me very well. I'm feeling very isolated and disconnected and within my own body and with other men and yeah, so Guys, we are excited about this, and we want to continue to have it. We want to continue to this conversation uh, moving forward. Thomas, you're welcome back. I'm sure we'll have you back whenever we want to talk about nudity. You're our dude, man. You're you're like when it comes to the human form. I mean, because I've never lived in a clothing optional community, so I have so many questions that we can't get into right now. But there'll be time later. Thomas, thank you for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Scott. And always, guys, be curious about your story your desires, what you want to do, what you're looking for, and join us next time here on We Got Balls. And you do too. Take care, guys. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.